<laughs> Melzy Berg back in the house. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> How are you, Melzy? I'm good. That is good. And um, let's just get stuck straight into it. What do you reckon? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Good Movie Monday, the weekly podcast dedicated to nerdy cinematic ramblings. Thank you for joining us. My name is Glenn Cochran. And yes, sitting in for Ben for another week from the Melbourne Horror Film Society, Miss Melzy Berg. Ooh, the crowd goes wild. <laughs> this isn't even your regular spot. I know. Oh, my good. How, how, how lucky am I? Oh, pretty lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, yeah, Ben is, I think, on week number five of his, oh, I guess, okay. <laughs> European holiday. Um, so, he is not here this week, but he will be back next week, I hope. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm fucked. <laughs> but in the meantime, it's just you and I for shits and giggles. Yep. I don't want to make anyone jealous, Jarrett, but I am in Ben's chair. I do have both <laughs> butt cheeks <laughs> firmly planted in and it is feeling very nice. So, yeah. I will keep it intact for very when Ben returns. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't sat... Like, that is in my office and I haven't sat in it yet. I need to do that. Should I sit in it between now and then or let Ben enjoy nah, the... the let ben okay. enjoy it. <laughs> um, before we do anything else Let's do some shameless in-house promotion right now Because the music that's playing underneath us Is the music from the latest episode of Wednesday Up Late That's the other podcast that I host um, and produce with Chloe Ritchie Because we recorded that entire episode at Melbourne's Oz Comic Con And that was a heap of fun um, That was really confronting the How old I felt amongst the yeah. people um, A lot of their knowledge doesn't go beyond five years well, you know, you can't have everything. You can't have youth and <laughs> knowledge and good looks. So. Well, I guess that's true, but um, it was good to walk amongst the freaking geeks again. I hope we can do it again at another uh, con of some sort. There's another one coming up soon, so that would be good. Start representing. The full video is online now, and you can watch that on YouTube and Facebook. And um, go to goodmoviemonday.com and watch it there as well. And hey, if you were at Comic Con over the last weekend and you see yourself in our videos, like just let us know, drop a comment, and um, give us a time frame, and we can uh, we can call it out. And you were absolutely knowledgeable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> if you listen to this, then you bloody you know you one you're stepping in the right direction. That's right. Um, <laughs> back to the show at hand. Here we have a really really awesome episode lined up this week. Our special guest is Mayim Baliak, who. Uh, People will probably recognise from the Big Bang Theory. She played Amy Fowler. And if you're of my age, then mm. probably Blossom. Blossom. Or go back uh -huh. further and you got Beaches. Yeah, yeah. What about Pumpkinhead? That was her <laughs> yeah. first movie. And oh, oh, I can't watch that. I, I do get a little bit of a Pumpkinhead reference into the interview. So Excellent. you're definitely going to want to hang around for that. She's just directed a brand new movie called How They Made Us, which is legitimately excellent. I'm not just saying that to the pump up the interview it's really good and i'm going to talk to her all about that and a few other things coming up we also have the weekly bite-sized segment from the bonehead weekly podcast from kentucky but enough about that melzy 
Let's talk about you. <laughs> well, what do you want to know? Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, at one point in the week, I was really super worried about you because your precious pooch went missing. Oh, God. It's, it's been a time. <laughs> I'm not going to trigger you right it now. It's been a time. <laughs> on oh a scale of one to ten, how, like, how much of an emotional wreck were you? <laughs> 35. Oh, wow. Oh, I, I didn't sleep all night. Even though I found out where he that he was at the Lost Dogs home by 10 p.m. that night. Yep. And I still didn't sleep all that night. I tried to sleep between 2 and 4 a.m. And it got to 4 and I was just like, fuck this. I'm yeah. just getting back up and watching TV. I was <laughs> distressed for you to the oh, point I almost yeah, cancelled this show. <laughs> I almost called it off. I'm like, we can't do this. Uh, but the worst thing is because he didn't actually do anything wrong. It was who was looking after him. But yeah, anyway, yeah. that's a whole other story. But the poor thing, he was just he was just out on the nature strip, but nobody was there with him. So someone, a passerby, was like, okay, this dog's lost. So um, hang on. So he was found where he was yes, supposed to be. Because oh. he doesn't literally. And that's so now, that's the thing. So now he's got this really bad reputation of people are like, oh, he went on an adventure. Oh, he ran away or whatever. I'm like. He literally was on the nature strip. He doesn't. Oh, he's no. so well-behaved. He didn't even go anywhere. Oh, that just adds another layer. I know the poor thing. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm trying not to be so. When people are like messaging me about it, I'm trying not to be so. Right. You know, just like. Well then. He didn't do anything wrong. All right, let's back it up then. So that's a good news story. It is. It's it a good is. news yes, story. Yes, yes, yes. Excellent. He's back. Yeah. Now, given how amazing our guest is this week, I'm certain we're going to have a whole lot of new listeners to the show. So let's tell them what you're all about. Um, as alluded to earlier, Melzi's not our regular co-host. She comes in every month and does a spot, but right now she's filling in for Ben, who, will be back, as I said, will be back next week. But where are you from? I'm here from the Melbourne Horror Film Society. Oh, excellent. Yes. And we originally had you on the show specifically for that reason, yes. and you just happened to fit right in, so oh. you've just become a staple. Yeah. <laughs> Start putting you on a poster. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the society. Um, where can people find it? What's going on? So you, our website is melbournehorrorfilmsociety.org. We're on the socials um, at Melbourne Horror. Uh, we do twice monthly screenings. We do the second Saturday of every month at True North in Coburg. Uh, this screen, the next screening that we've got coming up there is Demons 2. Oh, I love uh, Demons I know. 2. Oh, actually, I'm saying I know. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I know is in reference to I'm so fucking excited to see it. I know. It. What a good screening this oh, is going to be. Oh, I'm so, I've been wanting to see it forever. So I am so, that's like one of the most that I'm excited for coming up. Um, and then we also screen on the last Tuesday of every month at Long Play in Fitzroy North. So that's our next screening that's coming up and it's on Tuesday, June 27th and we're showing body bags. I love body bags. I really love body bags. But I love Demons too. Have you seen the first one? Oh, yes. yes excellent, yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, because even though they're not really connected, yeah. it puts you in the mood. Like if you've oh, seen the first oh, one, it helps. I, I love the first yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's one of my favourites. Awesome, yeah. awesome. So, oh, I can't yeah, wait to I get... I know that I'm going to love it. Can't wait to get your reaction to yes, that. Yes, yeah, Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So yeah. that is what's going on. Um, that website again? Uh, MelbourneHorrorFilmSociety.org. But yeah, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yes. yes. Get on it, people. Well, I'm yeah posting stuff on there all the time. All right, let's do that thing where I talk about Newsly for a minute. Go to newsly.me, download the Super app into your phone 
and listen to all of the podcasts from around the world. But you can also listen to all of the news from around the world from over 80 different countries. Newsly puts it all into your phone and reads the news articles back to you in a natural human voice, which is very handy for when you're on the go. You could be running, you could be driving, you might be lazy. Newsly has you covered. And if you want a free month of premium service and get a whole lot more, use our exclusive code, Monday without the O, M-N-D-A-Y. Once again, go to newsly.me and uh, you can support us by supporting them. Well, every single week um, without fail, well, most weeks anyway, there is a new release or two to come out onto physical media and the one man you can rely on the most to tell you all about it is this guy, the man of the minute, the man of this minute at least, <laughs> Jared Garn. How are you, mate? Hopefully a man of maybe 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> can you go that we long? We might need it. <laughs> There's, well, there's actually quite a few releases coming out this week, and for once, there's genuinely exciting content, and that's not just because it's the inevitable, long-awaited release of Houseboat Horror on Blu-ray, <laughs> but I'm going to save that one. I'm not going to dive right into that one straight away. Now, the first one I wanted to mention is John Wick Chapter 4. It's coming out on 4K, Blu-ray, and DVD, so on all the formats. This release is crazy, Glenn. Like, it is loaded with special features. The Blu-ray and 4K have, like, 12 featurettes on this thing. And they're not, like, you know, your two- or three-minute sort of puff pieces. They're actually pretty, you know, chunky, anywhere between seven seven minutes, 20 minutes each. And then it's rounded out by two trailers. I mean, it's the kind of film that I don't know if you need a commentary <laughs> for. And given that there's 12 featurettes, I think every facet of the production is covered within them. And at least you get some sort of like visuals at the same time instead of listening to the same monotone voices <laughs> over and over. And Keanu rarely participates in audio commentaries anyway. So, and he's the one you'd want to hear from. Yeah. Sure. Well, it's all relative. Like the amount of content in the special features has to sort of counteract or counterbalance the length of the fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. I, look, I haven't seen it yet. I've seen the previous three installments, but I heard this one was shocking. It's long. like three hours. Three hours is insane. You know, I was looking at going to the movies the, on the weekend. We were going to take my father-in-law to see a film. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we put him to work for the day, and then the treat was at the end of the day we'd take him to the movies. We hadn't told him that yeah. because we weren't sure if we'd get everything done in time. We thought, well, <laughs> Didn't the fail-safe is we'll take him to dinner. <laughs> I looked at the duration of the three films we were contemplating mm. seeing. Fast and Furious X, that was like 130 minutes. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, or is that what it's called, or across the Spider-Verse? Across the Spider-Verse. Not to be confused with the next one beyond Spider-Verse or something of that nature, if you've been watching the uh, Comic-Con video. (laughs) 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 I didn't even realise they'd given it a name, but that was about the only question I didn't get. I tried to to lead him into the answer. (laughs) and then uh the other one was guardians and again that was like just on you know i think that was actually two and a half hours that was the longest of the three and i was like well he's definitely not going to get to see a movie we'll take him to the pub for dinner isn't it really weird like movies are getting long i think is ridiculous i don't think any of them need to be that long but also like once upon a time i thought that the cinema chains cared about the amount of screens they had and the amount of films they can fit into a day they did. Well, once upon a time they did, but now I think it's the calibre of film. It doesn't yeah. matter how long it goes. It's just 
if that's going to fill a cinema, then, you know, fair <laughs> enough. Plus, I think post-COVID, they're a bit funny, the cinemas these days. Not all the majors, and I mean majors, I'm talking like village and event cinemas, not all of them are doing, you know, late night sessions every night of the week. During the week, some of the cinemas are only going to like, you know, a seven o'clock session yeah. and they're not doing the nine or tens anymore. Mm. I think, you know, that despite the crowd slowly coming back to cinemas and having those tentpole titles to draw them, I think they've kind of got, you know, oh, maybe we don't need to put the nine o'clock session on where we only had like, you know, a handful of people come along because <laughs> we're paying me, wages and this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's my favourite time to go to the movies because generally you're guaranteed you weren't going to get a bunch of kids in the session yep. uh, and things of that nature. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a, it's a damn shame. My local, thankfully, still does late-night sessions, but sadly it only has, I think it has six cinemas, so we're pretty limited in terms of the amount of films that can be played when you've got Fast and Furious <laughs> X in two cinemas. <laughs> right, taking up three hours. <laughs> And when I said they were the three options, it's because those were the three films screened <laughs> yeah. in, in all six cinemas. <laughs> but anyway, yes, so I haven't seen this one. Look, I'm glad I did wait because, you know, my tolerance for a long film in the cinema is is very short these days and I'll more than happily watch it at home because guess what? I can do it as a two-parter. I can treat it like The Irishman and, you know, make it a mini-series. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm more than happy to do that. But the other release I'm really excited about that isn't Houseboat Horror because that's still coming is this one, and I've actually got a copy to show you right here <laughs> if I don't get any glare on it. Yeah, and good. it's Rob Zombie's Halloween 1 and 2 double pack. This is the global first that they've been able to release all the cuts. So you've got the theatrical and director's cut of both Halloween 1 and 2, which is great because I prefer the theatrical cut of the original Halloween Rob Zombie's, and that never got a local release on Blu-ray. It only the director's cut did, and mm. I prefer this one because it doesn't have that, you know, awful rape scene in it mm. but the second one i'm curious to check out the director's cut because i've only ever seen the theatrical and god it was a dog <laughs> so i'm hoping the director's cut is actually going to be a bit better but knowing rob zombie it's probably not no you know what it's like i mean you know i don't like those movies like i really really have a strong yeah. distaste for them but of the two i prefer part two so go figure well, maybe because it's just so out there. Yeah. It, it, at least he tried to do something different, right. whether he accomplished it or not. Yeah. I, I, Well, personally, I don't think no. he did, at least not with the theatrical cut. But, yeah, in addition to both cuts of both films, they've actually gone to the effort of compiling all the special features, so all the archival content. There's nothing new, but it's all the archival content, which includes that four-and-a-half-hour documentary on the making of the original Halloween. <laughs> I mean, you'd have to be a pretty devout Rob Zombie yeah. fan to sit through four-and-a-half hours of the making of a movie it's ridiculous i know that when he did devil's rejects i had like a two hour or two and a half hour documentary and then he was threatening to release like a four or five hour documentary on the making of 31 the only way i'd watch that <laughs> is if it was like four and a half hours of him apologizing for having made that film Mate, that and doing was, some yeah like you know i yeah. i so want to get behind everything that rob zombie does but there's only I think, mm. three films that i genuinely love of his and the rest i could just take or leave yeah, I think I've got two. Devil's Rejects and House of the Thousand Corpses. Yeah, for me, it's Devil's Rejects, Lords of Salem, and, yeah, probably House of the Thousand Corpses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm curious to, to check out his Halloween theatrical cut again because I did see that one theatrically, and I really enjoyed it, and then I was megally disappointed when it came out on Blu-ray in the director's cut. You know, you know, had some extra violence and gore, big deal. Yeah. I mean, there was enough violence as there was. 
But, yeah, the rape scene just didn't sit well with me. Sure. And uh, so, yeah, I'm glad it's finally got a release. But that that stacked four-disc set, nice slip cover. Then, of course, Umbrella Entertainment <laughs> are releasing. No, I'm not going to talk about Houseboat Horror just yet. <laughs> They're also releasing A Tale of Two Sisters, which is a Korean film from, I think, 2003 from yep. memory. Yep. And it's the same director who did I Saw the Devil and A Bit of Sweet Life, which Umbrella's just done really lovely editions of those. And now they've done the edition of this. And again, it comes with a beautiful slip cover that's limited. So if you're interested, get in and grab it straight away because the slip covers aren't going to be around forever. The Tale of Two Sisters was good. I have the DVD of that. And I think it got remade, an American remake. Was it The Uninvited it did. or something like that? It, the Uninvited, yeah. yeah. It was a bit of a dog of a film, to yeah. be honest, The Uninvited. Yeah. I remember I got it confused at the time. I think there was a film that came out, something along the lines of The Unborn, but not The Unborn that was directed by... Um, what was his name? Rodman Flender or the guy that did Idle Hands and that was yeah, what he yeah. cut his teeth doing. Not that, but yeah, there was something else around that time and Skeleton Key. It was just, and The Reaping. I feel like there was just a whole bunch of studio shit films. Um, but I mean, God, you know, I can't complain. I'll probably go back and revisit it and have a bit of a nostalgia feel for it and go, look, it wasn't that bad. I was just a bit harsh on it when it <laughs> yeah. came out. Yeah. yeah. But uh, the last one I want to mention is the most important release of the week, obviously. The long-awaited release of Houseboat Horror on Blu-ray. Of the week, the most anticipated of the year, mate. Oh, I definitely of 2023, possibly 2024 <laughs> as well. I mean, it's it's going to be the the best release until they do the 4K release of the film, which is look, it's somewhat inevitable, isn't it? You know, yep. you can upscale the you know the beta cam SP footage to 4K. <laughs> I'm sure it'll look stunning. That said, though, the digital remaster of the film actually looks really good. Like. It really pops. It adds color. It adds, strangely, adds detail. You know, they use this AI technology to basically, you know, look at the objects and render them out and add sort of detail to it. I don't know how it's done. It's just, it's phenomenal because you watch it and it's like you've never seen Houseboat Horror before. Yeah, cool. Uh, but yeah, so it looks great and obviously it's loaded with special features and it's got that slip cover, but that's a limited drop as well. So yeah. if you want to go in and grab it because Again, that's one is not going to be around forever. Like I, I, I waited on Twisted Nerve. I was just thinking, you know, that that'll be around for a bit, and I dropped into a JB Hi-Fi, <laughs> and they had the slipless version. And I thought, oh, okay, well there you go. And then I see people on Facebook with the slipped version, and obviously they've sold through and they've reordered stock. So yeah, so I've learnt my lesson, but uh, don't be a fool. Get into the store and get houseboat. It was really, ASAP. it was really good to see Umbrella at Comic Con. That was their first time there, and yeah, their, their store was busted, mate. It was like there's a lot of people there. Well, they they were selling houseboat horror, I believe. They which were. I, I just was blown away. Do I saw want... I had someone send me a picture, and I'm like, whoa, what? It's already ready, ready. I was oh, so devastated because. We were really focused on doing what we were there to do, right? And I'm walking around filming and I'm like, oh, the umbrella table, quick, get some footage real quick, you know. It was mostly yeah, close-ups yeah. and I had a quick, a quick yak to the people working the stall. And then, right, now we've got to get the next stuff. So we walked off and as we left the con at the end of the day, I'm like, I didn't buy anything from the umbrella stand. Like, I should have picked up heaps because I went loaded with Damn. cash ready to buy not knowing they'd be there. And I'm like, I could have picked up Houseboat Horror. I could have picked up, you know, whatever else they had. So spewing. Well, yeah, and they did a. Uh, I know that obviously the con was on the Saturday and the Sunday, but they actually brought a bunch of stock along on the Saturday too. That's long out of print, including that Arthur Clown box set. For yeah, yeah, I saw that there. That thing fetches like three to six hundred dollars on eBay now. Yeah. 
So if you had got in early, you could have basically paid for all your autographs and whatever else you do at Comic-Con, get your chips and whatnot, <laughs> and, uh, and you know, sold that Art the Clown box. Set. Or, or you could have kept it. But, you know, if you really wanted it, you should have pre-ordered it. Yeah. Don't be a fool. <laughs> Don't sleep on these releases. But, yeah, I know. I was kind of like, ah, oh, damn, I wish I'd gone down because now um, – now all these people I know have got a copy of Housefoot Horror and I don't have one yet. So it's killing me, man. I mean, I've seen all the content, but I um, mm. I just want to be able to put it in a Blu-ray player. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a special moment. Totally. But yeah, that's about it. Cool. I mean, next week we've got a massive release that's coming out that I'm refusing to watch. Uh, so, And I mean, that was a release that was announced, what, like t- three weeks ago? I don't like, know. I, it I was know. when I was away. They know. move fast, we'll man. Have to, uh, we'll have they to move wait until very next fast. Week. <laughs> well, when are they going to release Barbarian? Come on. Yeah, I know. Come on. Yeah, far out. It's ridiculous. I mean, the movie made money at the box office, and yet they're still shilling all of this crappy Disney Pixar stuff that nobody wants to watch for free on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. And now they're, they're holding out on the Barbarian. So, I don't know. Hopefully, they do a deal with somebody and... You know, they a boutique label gets gets hold of they it. But knowing to... Disney, actually, on that topic of Disney, I've got a funny one for you. This is another release that I wasn't even going to mention that's coming out this week. But this is Disney preying upon the deceased. Did you see that they're rushing a reprint of what's love got to do with it? Yep. And they're tossing it into stores? Like, come on, mate. The, yep. the dirty mouse. You know what? You know? Yeah. I mean, I, the place I've worked at, in the past, that was against policy. If someone dies, you don't try to cash in on it. That was just an absolute yeah. no-go. And back in the days when I owned a video store, when somebody died, I made all of their catalogue free for hire. So, Oh, that's you know, really sweet. Yeah, man. so, yeah, it's, it's a bit tasteless to be doing that. But I, No, well, speaking of tasteless, now we're going back about, oh, uh, God, maybe almost 20 years. Actually, we are probably going back about 20 years. Whenever Anna Nicole Smith passed... Yeah. And I was working at a mass merchant, you know, specialist retailer that sold DVDs and Blu-rays, <laughs> actually pre-Blu-ray era. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Anna Nicole Smith passed, and I quickly rushed an order with Stomp Visual uh, to get as many copies of the series as I could because it was going cheap. They wanted to get rid of it. And yeah. as soon as I was like, they're going to mark it up, I ordered like 50 copies of it, <laughs> and the store I was in was very prominent in a with an audience that might appreciate Anna Nicole Smith and you know I did a dump bin for these DVDs right and it was pretty bad taste I mean at the time I thought it was funny and now I kind of go as bad taste but you know I'm sharing my shame I made the dump bin and I made the header card a tombstone that had the year that I had wrote her name the year she was born the year she passed and then below her bust measurement and, and I had it up in store for three days before head office called. And head office actually said, look, it's, it's a, you know, it's clever. Yeah. It's clever and it's funny. Take it down. Uh, but you probably need to take it down, you know. <laughs> that's probably, I, 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 I have a funny feeling it's the same place I was talking about and that's probably what changed the policy. There you go. I like to think myself as a trendsetter. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, that. Glenn, that's it. That's all I've got for you this week. All right, mate. Well, I'll see you next week then. Week it is for that major tentpole title I can't wait to talk about and I can't wait not to see. <laughs>
Okay, Malzi, because you're here, I thought I'd just um, bring up a little bit of horror news, just as a bit of a juxtaposition to the people that have come probably for my own Baliak's yeah. interview. Like, they're probably not expecting a lot of horror, but we're going <laughs> to yeah. talk a little bit. Some news I read um, during the, the last week was that they're rebooting the Leprechaun franchise oh. again. This is the third attempt in <laughs> nine years. Why? Oh Why? Do you like any of the Leprechaun mm, movies? Not, no. It's not, no. It's not the kind of franchise I think, no. yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's odd. And the fact that the very last one they did was the guy that directed um, Psycho Gorman and the yeah, Astron 6 yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that in and itself, if that didn't work, then yeah, what's exactly. gonna? Exactly. So, yeah. well. Yeah. And, anyway. and did you see the trailer for the, the new Aussie horror film, Talk To Me? No, because I don't watch trailers, but... That's right, I forgot yeah. about that. So this one looks phenomenal. Yeah. It is. It's all hearing great things. Yeah, and it's all about a possessed hand that these um, sort of young people discover and then start sort of touching oh. it and summoning things... Yeah. Yes, I, ha- I, I have seen that at the at the cinema, but yeah. I kind of like tried not to look too and much. And they kind of yeah. sort of they sort of become possessed when they touch it yeah. each at a time, and it's got a very Evil Dead kind of feel yeah. to it. It looks amazing. Yeah. I forgot about your whole thing with trailers, so yeah. I thought I'd bring it up and have a conversation, but maybe not. Shall we just move on? Let's. Okay, we're gonna play a game of Would You Rather. As regularly played on the Wednesday Up Late podcast. I would podcast. rather play this game than talk about trailers. Oh, there well, yeah, go. boom. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason we have you here. <laughs> you want to take over? <laughs> um, so this is a pretty simple one. We, um, we each present the other with two options and then have to choose between. Mm. So would you like to go first or do you want me to go first? You go first. All right. So I've kind of kept mine horror related for you. Yeah. Okay. So we have seen the Evil Dead musical and we've seen the Toxic Avenger musical. Now, would you rather Chucky the musical or Freddy the musical? Oh, gee. I think Freddy the musical. Yeah? Why do you reckon? Oh, just because he can be so theatrical anyway. Fantastic. I think it plays, yeah. Totally. I think it plays into it. As much as I'm a massive Chucky fan, like I love Chucky so much, but I mean, you, you can just see it already. And how do you do Chucky? On stage. Yeah. 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 I mean, Freddie's made for it, really. He is. is. Excellent. Well, that was an easy one. There you go. Easy. (laughs) Okay. All right. Here we go. Very important stuff that I'm about to Uh ask you. I'm nervous. (laughs) Would you rather have a threesome (laughs) (laughs) with (laughs) Pearl and Howard in X or take the place of Christian in the sex scene in Midsummer? Oh, <laughs> that is a really hard one. Oh, my God. Yeah. I want to yeah, say so both. Anyone, yeah. I mean, for anyone that doesn't know, so Pearl and Howard are the elderly couple, but it's not about them being elderly. It's, it, I mean, it's filmed in a very graphically, they're very, it's, they're in a very dirty setting yeah. and everything yeah. is very, like, gross. And then Christian, uh, is it a cult, <laughs> a cult setting yeah. and has been given the tick of approval to mate yeah. with one of the young people there mm. and um, there are – so he walks into a shed or whatever and she's laid out for him and surrounded by a group I have my of answer. women yeah. with – Yes, who get involved in their own ways. Yes, well, yes. before I answer, yes. could I could I be the scarecrow from Pearl? <laughs> That's so funny that you said that because, of course, straight away I thought about the scarecrow <laughs> and stuff. I was like, I did, think, I did think to have that 
somehow is not. But I'm like, no, yeah, like oh, who wouldn't be the scarecrow? <laughs> <laughs> no. God, that's a great scene. I'd take Midsummer. Take Midsummer. Yeah, yeah, I thought you would. I thought you would. That looks enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, when the mum comes up and yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> the mum's pretty hot. Yeah. <laughs> Biggest cup of juice. I knew, I knew, I knew you'd choose that one. <laughs> All right, so your next would you rather. Would you rather spend a week alone in the Bates Motel or a week alone in the Overlook Hotel? <laughs> Both places most people would not want to spend a night, let alone a week. Yes. I think I think Bates Motel. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the Overlook Hotel feels more like <laughs> you just have no chance of yeah. N- n- not being Escape. sucked into it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like mentally, physically, like physically as in location wise. Okay. So you're, and, yeah, okay. Um, you're thinking long term, whereas I'm thinking I'd love to explore that place. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, I'd kind of like to hang out with Norman. <laughs> a little bit. I love Norman Bates so much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a tricky one, but yeah. yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Well, we've got an answer. Yeah. We're, you know, we'll let the people decide if it's the right one. <laughs> There's no right. <laughs> Okay, hit me. If you could only watch one of these franchises or like movies from one of these franchises for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. would you rather be able to watch the Friday the 13th movies or A Nightmare on Elm Street? Elm Street in a heartbeat. Yeah. In a heartbeat. Elm Street's always been my thing. I, yeah. I love the endless possibilities of the dreamscapes and yeah. you know, like Friday the 13th to me is very sameish all the way oh, through, yeah. right? Oh, but yeah, whereas yeah, Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street to an extent is sameish, but each yeah. one has a different level of you know, dream realm that yeah. you can go into. And I like Freddy more. I think the, yeah. the charisma of Freddy's good. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I think that's a pretty easy one. Which one would I... like? If I had to choose one of the movies from oh, in the yes. franchise, yeah. that's another thing. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously the OG is always the go-to, mm. but then number three is incredible. And then the stupid ones towards the end are pretty yeah. good too. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. We'll just forget about that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this one's not quite horror related, but okay. it's, it's movie related. Okay. Would you rather sit next to someone in a cinema with really bad body odor oh or sit behind someone who won't stop talking through the entire film? <laughs> oh, shit. That's, that's really difficult. Mm. It's a dilemma both ways. I'm glad Ben's not here to go on the rant about that guy that was in that cinema that time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was send him spiraling would have been would have been entertaining. That, w- oh, no, no, no. that would have been very would have been a, a big job editing. I was just about to say you'd be back on the bleeping of yeah. <laughs> every second sentence. Yeah. Oh my god, that was hilarious. Um, I think the oh god, that mm. is really mm. difficult. I I think the body odor. Yeah. Oh, it's so hard, isn't it's it? It's really hard because I don't know if I could stomach that. Mm. That's my thing is I get gag reflex when I'm around oh, yeah. really bad smell. Oh, gee, I can try to ignore voices, but... Yeah, it's kind of like how bad it is. <laughs> and it's like and if I if I want to like not breathe through my nose, I don't want to taste it either. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> many, 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 like many years ago, probably a decade ago now, when I was just going to screenings at Melbourne Horror Film Society, mm. there was a guy that... <laughs> That sat next to me eating a kebab. Oh no! That was back when it was at Bath oh. 3 in um, Northcote, and he was not the most appealing. Oh. And, and, and 
Oh, and he sat right next to me and just like. I mean, f firstly, maybe the bo thing you can you can um, you can mask it by buying popcorn and holding it near your face, mm -hmm. right? But also, I discovered long ago that there's no food other than popcorn that actually smells good in a cinema. You yeah. could have like pizza, tacos, whatever, yeah. but the second it's in yeah, that environment, yeah, 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 it kind yeah. of just reeks. Yes. If there's only one person with it, yes, yeah, grosses yeah. me out. Yeah. Grosses yeah. me out. It comes back to that whole thing I like to say all the time that uh, Sean Crawford on the um, the podcast years ago used to say the only thing you should eat in the cinema is um, marshmallows in a pillowcase. <laughs> it's such a good visual. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, yeah. Mm, mm. I'd probably just um, I don't know. Is it is it showing again in an hour? Can <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I come back? Another session. That's a, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, you're smart about this. <laughs> All right, hit me. Who would you rather be in a relationship with? <laughs> God, this is a theme. I know. Evelyn from the remake of House on Haunted Hill. Okay. So Pamka Jansen. Yep. Or Julia from Hellraiser. So one's trying to pin you for, is going to like frame you for her death. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. That's a very clever, yeah. very clever would you rather. Mm. Mm. I mean, you... <sighs> With Julia, you get laid first, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> do, yeah, yeah. do you with Femka? Oh, they, they, they seem a bit asexual. Yeah. Her and Jeffrey Rush. Well, I don't let, know. Let me it's, say, it's, a very, I, it's a very, it's, it's a, I don't know. They don't have that much chemistry. I am I not as physically attracted to Julia. So let's go with the other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's totally hot. <laughs> <laughs> or Julia or the other. No, 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 Femka Jensen. Yeah, yeah, totally, oh totally. God. I've seen James Bond. Jesus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I've got eyes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> It's like a water diviner. <laughs> <laughs> Just point that stick forward and keep going. All right. Um, my turn? Yes. Last one. So, would you rather a night of partying with the Magic Mike dancers mm -hmm. or a night of dancing with the women from Showgirls? Oh, women from Showgirls. <laughs> that's, that's the easiest one. It's a no-brainer. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's like, oh. I was almost vomiting for the first <laughs> sentence. I'm not into that. Okay. Way more into women dancing. I kind of knew that, didn't I? I should have. Just putting it on the podcast. Putting it, putting it on record. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I, I once, I, I did once uh, date a guy um, from the gym that I was working at and he thought that it would be a turn on to uh, do a peck wobble. Oh, no. I, I kicked him out. Oh, I was going to zip my shirt up. I was going to do one right now. <laughs> I was like... Hem emphasis on the wobble. I was just like... Wah, wah. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a tip. Don't, right. don't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Right. What about a butt flex? <laughs> oh, I just... Yeah, it's just... Yeah, it just doesn't do it for me. Um, would you rather marry into Alex... From Ready or Not's family mm -hmm. or Rose's family in Get Out? Great questions. <laughs> Ready or Not, I reckon. Well, you've got It's a lot more fun. Yeah, yeah. And it yeah. depends. I mean, you're not necessarily going to be no. the victim. Like, or, or pick a bad game. Yeah, just, just pick a better card. That's right. <laughs> that's <laughs> you're right. fine. Yes. <laughs> Do I have to wear a dress? <laughs> oh, that's a bloody beautiful dress. It is. I want to yeah. wreck it. Yeah. No. Oh, there There's we go. There's 17 versions of it, so. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so that's dun-dun-dun. That's, that's that game played. <laughs> Got to spend through that. 
<laughs> nice tight episode. Yes. May you find the sun in a galaxy long May your dreams be realized and your fears proved wrong May you rest your weary head when the day's work's done And I couldn't wish more for you No, I couldn't wish more for you May you relate to the world through the eyes of a child May you leave your yesterdays to the passing miles And may you find your horizon when the sea turns wild And I couldn't wish more for you No, I couldn't wish more for you Like you're ten feet tall May the birds unite beneath you If you should fall And may you love Like you've never known loss at all And I couldn't wish more for you No, I couldn't wish more for you May the mountains marvel at the size of your heart May your soul only settle for the highest star Yeah, I hope you find peace wherever you are And I couldn't wish more for you No, I couldn't wish more for you I couldn't wish more for you. No, I couldn't wish more for you. Well, that song right there was from the soundtrack to the new film As They Made Us, the dramatic homecoming comedy directed by Mayim Bialik. And uh, yes, the whole reason we're here is to play our interview with her. It's a great film, by the way. It stars Dustin Hoffman, Candice Bergen with um, Dinah Agron and Simon Halberg, who's also from Big Bang Theory as the children of these uh, two people. So the basis of the premise of the film is Dustin Hoffman has a terminal disease and his daughter has no choice but to come in and do all the caring and the heavy lifting because the mother is in denial and she's also a total pain in the ass and a bit neurotic and Candice Bergen plays that brilliantly. <laughs> and then the brother, the Simon Halberg character, is estranged from the family and reluctant to come back and has a 
lot of past demons he doesn't want to confront and it's really really good it's in the style of movies like the big chill and garden state if you mash them together it's kind of like that very effective very funny and completely heartbreaking too so above all else a brilliant directorial debut mm. like you know this is one that Mayim has directed herself um so actually i didn't even tell you what the song was <laughs> me talking the song was called um couldn't with more than you it's a really weird title for a song but it is by rosanna reed and if you like that look it up it's on our spotify playlist go to good movie monday the music on spotify you'll be able to hear it we're also going to be closing the show with another song from it as well but anyway let's listen to my chat with mayam and then we'll be back shortly hi mayam how are you i am well how are you Yes, I'm really good. Very excited to be chatting with you. Oh, this film really hit me hard in the feels. <laughs> it feels like a personal a film. It yeah, feels I, like I, a really I, personal film. Did it? Uh, where did the story come from and, and sort of why did you feel compelled to tell it? Um, yeah, it, it is a, a personal uh, film. It's not an autobiographical film, but it is a film based on, um, you know, my, my family and a lot of families like mine um, where... Um, you know, I, I had a complicated family. Um, I grew up with alcoholism present. Um, and you know, that has ripple effects as it does in many families. And it's kind of like all the things that we don't talk about. Um, and so I wanted to, I, I wrote this screenplay. My, my father of blessed memory died about eight years ago, but a year after he died, I started kind of getting a different kind of memory that would come to me about different aspects of my childhood. And I started writing. So I didn't really plan to show it to anyone. I wrote it really for myself. And about a year after that, I showed it to a couple people close to me and eventually my agency and we made this movie. So, um, you know, the movie is about a family with two siblings who each react very differently to parents who are very loving and also very complicated. <laughs> um, you know, it stars Dustin Hoffman and Candace Bergen as the parents and Simon Helberg from The Big Bang Theory um, and Diana Agron are the kids. And so there's a series of flashbacks and, um, you know, you see a lot about the responsibility that the daughter in the family has and takes on. Um, and it's, you know, it is a little indie. It was my first screenplay. It was the first movie I directed. And um, we're very proud of our little movie and just very excited that um, Australian audiences get to see it. You should be proud of it. Um, it's fantastic. And I wanted to quickly pick your brain about, you mentioned Diana. Um, her performance was incredible, but I, I don't know if I was reading too much into it, but I, I saw echoes of you in her performance, particularly, <laughs> you know, a lot of, particularly a lot of the kitchen stuff. And I don't know, like, is that true? You know, um, I can't speak to her entire process, but um, <laughs> people have said this, that um, that she definitely seemed to have aspects of me um, and, and Mayam-isms in her performance. Honestly, I couldn't see it just because I was in such a different perspective of directing her and, you know, wanting this character to move along the way it did. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you saw that because I, I just found her performance very, very real and very authentic. And, you know, she's this like really, really gorgeous and really, really intelligent, talented woman. And I think a lot of people look at her and maybe don't um, think about the depth, you know, mm. um, on a first glance, because she is, she's really, really, she's got this amazing presence, uh, but she cared very deeply about this part and gave it a, a lot of heart. So I'm, I'm happy if some of that was me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like in the film, she carries the family, but she, she kind of carries the film as well as an actress. Like it's yeah. just, it's a fantastic performance. But as a director, like in your first feature, 
you're you're there on set and you've got Dustin Hoffman, you've got Candace Bergen, and they're following your directions. Like, how do you process that? It was really, it, it was very surreal. You know, it really felt, um, it felt scary and exciting. And, um, you know, they trusted me very much. They trusted the script that I wrote. Um, and that meant a tremendous amount. And look, I was directing Simon Helberg, who was my friend and, you know, who I looked up to for the nine years that I was on The Big Bang Theory. Like, I just wanted to be like Simon and do everything like Simon does. So that was actually even stranger. Um, but mm. there was a definite, you know, intimidation factor with Dustin and, you know, all of his like awards and Academy Awards. And um, I didn't know, you know, I had met him for lunch, but I didn't know what he'd be like on set. And um, it was incredible. You know, he and Candace were really playful together and... Um, they actually grew up together in real life. Their families were friends, so they have a, a camaraderie. Um, but it was really incredible. And also, you know, it's no small thing for actors of that caliber to do an independent film, you know, in the heat of New Jersey, um, you know, when we're, you know, constantly like worrying if our generators are gonna get shut down because of rainstorms. <laughs> you know, we were not a fancy production. We were an independent film, you know? So it was very, very special you know, start to finish. And yes, full of a lot of terror. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did their casting come about though? Like, did you have them in mind right from the get go or was it something that just fell into place later? Um, you know, I, I wrote, I wrote these characters and, you know, then kind of everyone throws at you people who they think would, you know, kind of fit the bill. Um, so never in a million years, like I would have said, I'd like a Dustin Hoffman type, but like never in a million years did I think that <laughs> Dustin Hoffman was, you know, going to actually do it. So, you know, when you're a first time screenwriter and a first time director, you know, like kind of literally doing it on my own, like I had no idea what I was going to get. So we we got, you know, really lucky um, in that people actually read the script that we sent them. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and you mentioned Simon Helberg. Um, he just seems to slay everything that he's in. And obviously he's you two are incredible. very close. Was he on board from the start? He was the first person I cast in my head. You know, I wrote this while I was still on Big Bang Theory, but I never said anything to him. Mm. And um, I, I think I think I may have said something to Jim Parsons before I even said something to Simon Helberg when I was thinking <laughs> about it. Like, gosh, do you think Simon would do this? Because they were very close. And, um, you know, when I finally asked Simon, I, I was certain he would say no. You know, he has this incredible career and does all these amazing things and he has kids and, you know, a life. And um, he was so on board, you know, and again, like we were, this was not a fancy production and he was just so, so game for it. You know, he and Diana um, worked so beautifully together and it's a really heavy character. You know, he was playing a character that had a lot of complexity and he chose to play it in a really specific, you know, way, but it took a lot of, you know, concentration on his part to produce that kind of character. Totally, totally. Um, yeah, I was absorbed with with the way his character was, and like the 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 micro shift, like from his younger self to his older self. Like it's it's not that far removed from each other, but there's still just that little bit of um, I guess development that sort of plays into it. I mean, yep. of course, Big Bang Theory with him, but when I saw him in Annette, I think it was, um, and his big scene with the orchestra, he just blew me away. And ever since then, if I see him attached to something i've got to watch it like really love yeah it. he's he's one of those he is one of those actors who really kind of inhabits he, he does he inhabits a role in um in a very unique way you know and so like i couldn't imagine simon not doing this film and also you know assumed that he wouldn't so I had to mm. think of what will i do if simon won't do it so very relieved that he did 
<laughs> uh, oh, well, I'll give you my number. I'd love to chat with him. But um, <laughs> um, those moments between and him and Diana are just the best. And um, although they sort of play estranged siblings, they still have a really great chemistry. Did they know each other previously? No, they did not. And, you know, Simon kind of purposely didn't do a lot of socializing, you know, really with the other, ca- I mean, not that he didn't socialize, but I just mean um, he he maintained a certain amount of kind of distance, you know, so that the character felt a little bit distant. Um, so that's kind of how, you know, he chose to play it. But, um, you know, watching him and Diana, they, you know, at least from a director's perspective, they seem to have a very good um, rhythm, you know, especially with some of their longer scenes we did, you know, there ones, there's one scene in the hallway, which is one shot. And I, I did it that way on purpose. Um, it's a very ambitious <laughs> scene to try and get in one shot. Um, but I, I'm pretty pleased with how it came out. Um, y- you know, th- they, they have to have that banter that, you mm. know, is organic. And um, the fact that I was able to do that in one shot, I think is a testament, to, you know, to them being able to do that. Uh, yeah. I want to ask you about that scene actually. Um, so what I found interesting about that scene, like you said, one shot, but you've also got certain points in time where there's extras walking by, which interrupts their, <laughs> their conversation. Did you, did they have a beat every time or did you instruct them to walk in at different moments to sort of make it that spontaneous? Is, no one's ever asked me that. So yeah, so um, there's this this one for people who haven't yet seen it, there's this one shot and it's in a very strange hallway that I actually found as a location by accident because we didn't have time to move full locations. We ran out mm-hmm. of time on that day and... And I found this hallway and I was like, this is where we're going to do this scene. So the the people who walk by are actually their stand-ins from the movie. Mm. So um, that was also, it was a special Easter egg that the people who walk by were their stand-ins. Um, they, they, they came by roughly at the same place every take. Um, and we purposely planned it that way. Um, I couldn't do too much variability because it was such a delicate scene. Um, so I didn't want to mess with our actors too much, but Mm -hmm. you know, human human variability and how long it takes for someone to start walking when they get their cue or, you know, um, actors take different pauses. So, um, it definitely had an organic feel, but it was intentional. Yeah, right. Because I mean, th- those moments really seemed like they were really sort of annoyed that they've been <laughs> interrupted. <laughs> yeah, they're good actors. <laughs> yeah. Um, if I can circle back quickly to Candace, um, like her character, I don't know if you, you know, if I want to hug her or strangle her. And you know, how much of that was on the page, and how much of it was her pushing limits? Um, you know, that was that was pretty much. I mean, those were the words that that I wrote. Um, you know, and of course I had to say to my mom, who's still alive, like, this isn't you. I didn't write <laughs> this, like, this, like, it may feel like you sometimes, but it's not, you know, but Candace did bring, you know, her own kind of like twist to it. She, she brought her own, um, you know, sense of urgency to the character and that was really hers. Um, you know, and, and. When I would talk to her, you know, I think at one point I was kind of explaining something in a scene and she's like, I got this. I know this lady. I'm on it. You know, and <laughs> it was like that was probably, you know, day one or two. And then from then on, she really did kind of have it. Um, you know, there's a scene um, where where she finds out that um, the brother's going to come visit, but she can't see him. And the, that scene to me is just it's it's heartbreaking and you, you know, you really, you have such mixed feelings for her. And I think that's really what I was trying to create. Like, it's okay to have those complicated feelings about our parents or about anyone for yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she's, God, I mean, she breaks my heart every time with that scene. 
Yeah, I mean, she's wearing an armor the whole time of that film. Like, you know, yeah. her whole personality is defensiveness, yep. you know. And, but her, throw, yeah. her throwing hot gummy bears is also one of my favorite moments. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, was there any room for ad-lib in this? Like, did Candace and Dustin ad-lib any of their moments? Um, yeah, actually, Candace, who is uh, the only cast member who's not Jewish and the family is, you know, kind of distinctively Jewish, mm. Candace was raised with a lot of Yiddish, you know, as she said, she grew up in, you know, Beverly Hills and she heard a lot of uh, a lot of Yiddish growing up. She actually ad lived a couple Yiddish words, um, which is funny. And I left them in, um, you know, it was people pretty much stuck to the words. And I think Dustin in particular felt um, that the way that I wrote it was there for a reason. And he really loved um, how his character was written. So, yeah, that was pretty much it. Yeah, I kind of hadn't thought about that in a minute. But yeah, that really was the script. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's, that's good because, you know, so much of it just feels very natural. Um, one thing I, I've, a common thing that I've been speaking to filmmakers about is the pandemic. It sort of has affected everybody, everyone over the last two years that I speak to talks about stories that delays and, and whatnot. How did it affect you and this film? Um, well, I mean, you know, it almost didn't get made, it got delayed, and then we finally were able to make it, but we made it before there was a vaccine, you know, which I don't want to be controversial, but most people, you know, got the vaccine when it was mm. available, including me. Um, so, you know, it was a very interesting time to make a movie when we were, it was kind of wild, wild west, you know. Mm. We, at that point, couldn't require that people lock down, and we were filming out in New Jersey, and a lot of our crew didn't live in New Jersey. so. It was um, very interesting, um, you know, we were able to test people, but even that, like, we're an independent film, we didn't have, you know, copious tests, you know, to test people as much as I think everybody would have wanted, so it was, um, you know, an interesting challenge, it also obviously makes publicity different, it makes release different, it makes flying different, um, you know, we actually had an actor who was supposed to be in the film in one of the smaller roles, um, and he literally got stuck in another country and could not get out because of COVID quarantine rules and blah, blah, blah. So um, yeah, so we had some last minute changes. We had someone on a red eye filming the next morning. <laughs> wow, I mean, geez, like I'd turn gray overnight if it was me. <laughs> I, I lost a few years of my life that night. <laughs> awesome. Um, I look, I'm about to wrap things up. I just wanted to uh, thank you for your time. As you can see behind me, I'm a bit of a horror fan, so I'm very yes. much I'm very much geeking out about the fact I'm talking to the little girl from Pumpkinhead. So that's um, right. Yeah. My very first job was Pumpkinhead. I was 11 years old. And it just occurred to me the other day that uh, over the course of maybe three months, I've spoken to two actors from Pumpkinhead. You know, not about Pumpkinhead whatsoever, but right. there you go. Brian Bremer, I was talking to. That's amazing. <laughs> so I'm I'm sort of like a kid in Candyland speaking to you. That is wonderful. Well, I uh, I appreciate that very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bet you didn't expect Pumpkinhead to come in. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Cheers. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. And this is another one where Chad picked the topic. And I'm excited because we're going to talk about one, our favorite directors and their worst movies. And I'm going to go first. So I love Guillermo del Toro. I was thinking of this one. I'm wondering if you're... Go ahead. I find something I love in all of his movies, but not all of his movies are fantastic. In fact, there's two or three that I can crap on. But the one that I was going to, I'm going to switch, and I'm going to switch it to 2022's Pinocchio. I was going uh -huh. to say Pacific Rim, but at the end of the day, even though I hate the plot because it's Top Gun plot 
that's the plot Pacific Rim. I it's still giant robots fighting kaiju monsters, you know. Yeah. But Pinocchio, as much as it's beautiful, as as well made as it is, the meticulous art form, the story he once again goes back to that damn well of Spain during the time right before World War II. It, I just am a little tired of it. I mean, he could never really do a better story during that time. I mean, he already was there for The Devil's Advocate. We were already there for Pan's Labyrinth. I just, this is the time with Pinocchio. I just was wanting the movie to finish. Yeah. I just wanted the movie to be over. I know the amount of work that went into it. I just wanted the movie to be over. Yeah, I was kind of the same way in that it just did not entertain me. I got bored and I've never gotten, I've never gotten bored on a Guillermo del Toro film ever. Yeah, it just just wanted it to be over. Chad. Again, one of the things we all share in common is a love syphilis? of John Carpenter. And syphilis. And syphilis. We love syphilis because of, uh, of you know, just we, we don't like noses and we want them gone. God bless you, syphilis. Keep going. John Carpenter. And what's his John name? Carpenter. John, John Carpenter film. And, you know, you could pick on Ghost of Mars, but Ghost of Mars is at least entertaining. It's the, so batshit crazy. I yeah. actually, I encourage people to go back and rewatch the opening and the ending. The one movie of John Carpenter's that I can never defend, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Neither will he. He did it, it for the money. He did it for the money. It is God awful. And it's just, it was one of those Chevy Chase being Chevy Chase and not giving a damn about being in a movie it's just awful there's not much of a plot and what there what story there is it's boring as hell it's not funny i haven't it's, seen it in years i haven't either and there's a reason for it uh even and even the special effects for the time even in the 19 early 90s where it was terrible and sam neill is wasted as a good villain in this movie so memoirs of it did kindle their friendship, and that's the reason why he's in the mouth of madness. Yeah, and he and always says Sam Neill is one of the best actors he ever worked with. Yeah, and Sam Neill again, he carries the movie the best he can. And Sam Neill's again, he's one of my favorite actors too. I was actually talking with Glenn about this, um, about Sam Neill being one of my favorites. But Memoirs of an Invisible Man is just a horrible misstep in everybody's career, except Daryl Hannah, James, James. You know, I'm going to talk about somebody we don't talk a lot about on the show it is a director i admire even though i don't like everything they've done but i think there's a major misstep in their career i will defend a scanner darkly i think it's well it's, if you're a fan of the source material it's great uh the before series before sunset before blah blah, blah all mm-hmm. those are great but richard Linklater made a film and i'll be honest i didn't know he was the one behind this and it was a film i saw and thought, oh, it's okay. And then I found out it was Richard Linklater. I'm like, wait a second. Now I think less of that film because it had him behind the camera. The Bad News Bears remake. I watched it. It's largely forgettable. I mean, I it's, don't it's remember hating it though. I didn't. No, hate I didn't it. hate it. But then I was like, wait, Richard Linklater. Roughly the same time he was doing a Scanner Darkly did this, and it changed my way of thinking. Like you went from trippy. Philip K. Dick world into let's remake that. And so, it, and by the way, Richard Linklater, if you by all means, you can call me out. I've done nothing with my life, but it's just one of those things where I'm like, he's done all these experimental boyhood. He's done all these great things. And I was like, and then he did this movie that's very formulaic. It's not bad, mm-hmm. but when you, it's kind of like if you, it's seeing somebody that's done all this great mind bending stuff and found out that, oh yeah, they also wrote the menu at McDonald's. 
I like McDonald's. You can look at me and tell that I've ate my fair share of McDonald's. But it's like, oh, that's not what I normally would go to that person for. So that was that's what popped into my head. All right. But I've watched the movie. I enjoy it. It's just not, I don't think, oh my God, what a great Richard Linklater. This has been Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Favorite directors and their worst movies. That is a brilliant topic. And I think we're going to have to steal that for a future episode of our own. Maybe cool, get you sure. in on that one. That sounds yeah. like a whole lot of fun having that conversation. <laughs> uh, but for those of you that are invested and were listening to what they said, Joe actually meant the devil's backbone, not the devil's advocate. Uh, he, don't, don't think he picked up on himself there. <laughs> I've done that many times on this show. But... I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just don't bring it up. Yeah. But yeah I just went silent. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Boneheads. I do love those guys. Go and listen to their podcast, Bonehead Weekly, and then become a fan. Um, they deserve the, the recognition. I love what they do for our show. But what they do for our show is exclusive so they have their own other thing that they do and it's like a two-hour show they have celebrity guests as well a whole lot of fun Malzy, we're going to recommend some movies all right all right so this is the part where you are uh, you all go out and find them and yeah. watch them because i know you all do <laughs> <laughs> i pretty i'm pretty sure this is for our own shits and giggles this part of the show oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to keep the homecoming theme going because of our interview there and I'm going all the way back to 1990, a movie called Welcome Home, Roxy Carmichael. Have you heard or seen this one? No. I love it. It stars Winona Ryder and Jeff Daniels. Ooh. reason I chose this, I may have spoken about it on the show before, but I feel like it's a forgotten film or one that people just don't know about because mm. even at the time it came out, to me it was big because it was part of my little teenage yeah, years, yeah. but most people I talked to have never yeah. heard of it even back then. Directed by Jim Abrahams, the, the guy behind Airplane, Naked Gun, Hot Shots. Oh, wow. And... He did this, and I think it was Ruthless People, back-to-back, which were not the slapstick Mm. spoof parody movie. So it was a bit of a departure for him. But this is fantastic. It's all about a 15-year-old girl played by Winona Ryder who was adopted, and she's become very antisocial, and she's bullied at school. She's almost like like an 80s, 90s version of goth Mm -hmm. or emo, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, And she is an outcast. But she's convinced that there's a Hollywood actress called Roxy Carmichael from her hometown. She's convinced that's her biological mother. And Roxy Carmichael is reported to be coming home to town to do some kind of you know, event or unveiling of something. And Roxy is making this big plan to confront her and you know find out the truth about her identity. And Jeff Daniels is a guy in town that Roxy believes was the high school boyfriend of Roxy Carmichael. So she tries to get into his world before Roxy arrives to try and dig up the dirt <laughs> and everything. And, yeah, she's convinced that this is going to happen. So the whole film is this build-up to the moment Roxy comes home. Wow. Very, very wonderful, unassuming kind of movie. And one of those movies that's very small town. You know those movies? that I love small town movies. They've got community and they feel nice to watch. And and the fact that she's an outcast in this place makes the dynamics really, really interesting because nobody really cares for her. Mm. You know, she just lives on the fringes of the town. She paints a boat. No one's interested in her. But um, as I said, a huge movie from my youth. Um, I had the VHS and, yeah, I'm just disappointed that it's not as famous as it is. The poster's fantastic and I reckon you should all go out and watch it and become a fan yourselves. It's on YouTube. It's easy to find and... Yeah, give it a shot. Welcome home, Roxy Carmichael. Nice. That sounds great. Yeah, I love it. Your turn. <clears throat> My turn. Well, I have dropped this movie already on today's uh, episode. Ah, uh, yes. Excellent. I'm excited. <laughs> but um, so I'm going to be recommending Midsummer. Uh, of course you are. Not just, I mean, I gave such a great recommendation <laughs> by talking about its sex scene earlier, but um, it's not just about that. Um, so released in 2019, directed by Ari Aster. Um, I watched it 
So my dog went missing on the Sunday. I got him back on the Tuesday. And so we'd had this massively traumatic yeah. couple of days, like hugely traumatic. And so when I got him back on the Tuesday, I took him home and I had the day off. And it was just the two of us at home and he was exhausted and I was exhausted because I hadn't you know, slept since he was gone. And um, we got on the couch and we put on the director's cut. Yeah. Cut. Yep. Um, it was, but it was a first time watch for me. Okay. So, but, but first of all, them. Ari Aster is not how you treat trauma. <laughs> no, I mean, that's kind of where I, yeah, that's kind of what I was talking about. It's just like, what? I make, I make crazy decisions. I was thinking that as I was, because I was given the, I was gifted the Blu-ray um, yep. for Christmas and... Yeah, of, of all times, so it's June. We've been, you know, <laughs> six months in after getting it, and there's like, oh, today's the day. Yeah, and you and thinking back, and even at the time, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck am I doing? Yeah. Especially because I am a very mm. impacted yes person. It's a really, really disturbing movie. But it was perfect. Oh, uh, was it? It was hit the spot. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. It, it met your mood probably. Yeah, I. I don't know, it, but I think I think it wasn't. I don't know what I thought yeah. it was going to be. Um, I think I had no clue. So yeah, sure. Um, but I was like, okay, this is 170 minutes, <laughs> yeah. and I never have time, mm-hmm. and I have time. Yeah, so why I'm not? Fucking like take this moment. Yep. And um, and so I just put it on, and I just I loved it. Yeah, I absolutely thought it was incredible. Like I was kind of blown away by it. And I'm not. And so this was his film after Hereditary. Yeah, yep. And I saw Hereditary at the cinemas, and I loved the first. I loved maybe the, the first act. Yeah, the first yeah. act of it. Yeah. I really loved the first act of it, and I didn't love it mm-hmm. uh, like so much. I, I didn't hate it, but I was like, oh, oh, I liked it better at the start. Like, yeah, I, I, I really it. loved, yeah, the start of it, and um, and so, and I mean, they're very different films anyway. But um, but I just, I actually thought it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, um, anyway, so it stars stars Florence Pugh as Danny and Jack. Raina um, is her boyfriend Christian, uh, who, we, who we talked about earlier, <laughs> and they travel to Northern Europe with three of Christian's friends, and they go to a really small community, which um, like a fabled Swedish midsummer festival yeah. in a tiny, like remote community. Um, the festivities and rituals become increasingly unnerving and violent, um, and each of the visitors is invited to partake. And they go on different journeys that ultimately end in very different yep. ways. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I guess it looks on the outside like it's just your traditional sort of folk horror, mm-hmm. but it's really about relationships. Yeah, yeah. It's very, there's a lot of context going in there, and yeah. for sure. As they start off in America, mm-hmm. and Florence and um, and Christian are in a fucking terrible relationship, yep. and you kind of at the start you feel like that they're, they're they're it's a new relationship, and it's you kind of get oh, and so because I haven't seen the shorter version as yes, well, yes, apparently from what I've read, the director's cut goes a lot more into their relationship, and it casts him as a lot more of a villain yeah. whereas you don't get it it's a, it's a lot more grey sure. in the in the shorter version but um in the theatrical cut um but i guess at the start it was kind of it, it was quite triggering as much as that's a you know word that's overused <laughs> yeah, these no, days I get it. and um um 
but you can st- sort of still see it from both sides because Florence's um, she is very neat, like very needy and worrying about being very needy. But then she goes through this massively traumatic event, yep. and he's not able to give her yep. what she wants. Yep. And so he's got these three mates on the side that are like, "Fuck her off," you know, like, yep. and and it's all very. But it's all very real. Mm-hmm. Like it feels very real. And they have this um, one fight like early on where she finds out that he's got these plans with his friends to yeah. go overseas. And she's like, in two weeks. And she's like, oh, so um, were you not going to tell me about that? And he completely gaslights her. Totally. And she ends up apologising to him. Yeah. And it's like... Oh my god! Oh my god! Like I just, you just have flashbacks to relationships that you've been in, and you're like, oh yeah. my god! Oh my god! Like, and it's then, so they go, you know. So then he, instead of being like, yeah, I don't want you to come, he's like, yeah, come along, <laughs> and and it's just like this whole like being fake with each other and not being real, and then they go to this place where yeah, there's a lot of shit going on that's not great, but it's kind of everybody is really. There's a community going on it's there. A community. Yeah, absolutely. And she's the perfect person yeah. that need that needs these things. Yeah, yeah. And she finally feels seen mm-hmm. and you know, like and these people are empathetic. Yep. And yep. they and you know, all the things that she's been missing and a family and and a community and um yeah, it was it, you know, it, it's it's a hard one because there's so many sides to it. There is. Yeah. And it's, some films are so disturbing for me that I feel it in the pit of my stomach and this yeah. is one of them and particularly the cliff moment, right? Oh yeah. That was almost unbearable yeah, for me. Yeah. And and I love that because you know yeah. This sounds really macabre to a lot of people listening that are not into horror or anything, but I quite often say that and and this goes this contradicts the, your you know way of watching movies, mm-hmm. but I love seeing children get hurt in movies. <laughs> I just yeah. do because yeah. I love the audacity of a filmmaker yes. oh, to take yeah. you there, right? Because yeah. 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 when I totally when I say that in conversation, people dismiss me immediately and don't let me elaborate. And it's not like being sa- it's not playing to the safe. Yeah, you know? it's, like, it's yeah. not that I enjoy what I'm seeing. I enjoy that I'm being made uncomfortable. I yeah. you know because everything is so sanitized now. Yeah, totally. So Hereditary comes along and it puts these things oh. on screen that I can't comprehend. Yeah, and but it. it like you said, it's it makes sense in their world, right? Yeah. This is just their norm. Yeah. And I'm like, how is that a norm? Like, yeah. I, yeah, you, what? How far down a rabbit hole do you have to go for this to be a norm? Yeah. You know. Anyway, yeah. I yeah. that's a great recommendation. I, I've I think only seen the extended director's yeah. cut as well. I am, um, and I did look it up, and I think so. I'm like, oh, I wonder um, how available each mm. one is. But apparently, the director's cut is on binge. So, okay, cool. Um, yeah, so it is available yeah. on streaming. And I think in physical media form, I think the theatrical cuts the DVD, and the director's cuts the Blu-ray. I think that's no, how, yes, how it oh, works. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. And I, I can't imagine mm. because I love the director's cut so much. Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah, you I, know just, what? I just recommend yeah. definitely watch the director's cut. I just thought it was I'm incredible. I'm keen to see the theatrical because I sometimes prefer them. But um, yeah, well that's yeah. And the yeah. other thing I've got to say about Ariasta, very very unpopular opinion, but I do think he's a very overrated filmmaker. Yeah. I think uh, Midsummer is a masterpiece, yeah. and I'm glad he's got it. I'm I'm with you. I don't think Hereditary was anything to write home <laughs> about. I appreciate once again it's an uncomfortable kind of film. Yeah. I like where he goes with it, but it's not cohesive like it kind of yeah, falls apart yeah 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 and yeah. his new one Bo is afraid i think that's the consequence of giving 
a new filmmaker too much autonomy mm. and saying do whatever you want and without that restraint he made like a nearly three hour film mm. it's not even a horror it's a comedy but it just it's absurd and it doesn't make yeah. a lot of sense and it plods along and it's got a great first act that's probably the best filmmaking he's ever done yeah only to just you know, lose control of his creation um speaking of uh, like things being absurd but also like yeah. humour in it as well. That's what I was probably going to um, – That probably one of the things that I noticed most about Midsummer. Looking back on it, I definitely didn't expect it to have the humour that it had. Like I was laughing out loud to a lot of it. Yeah. Um, Chris, one of Christian's friends, um, I think his character name is Mark, but he's played by Will um, – Will Puder? Will Poulter, yep. yeah, and I and I'd heard of this guy because I mean mainly because he played was in the Last Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. but it, I knew that he was he was a popular actor, and then people are like, oh, I can't believe they kind of underused him in Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> but this is now the first thing that I'm seeing of gotcha. seeing him in from pre that. Yeah, oh, he's incredible, he's and he's a fucking terrible character in this. But shit, he's he, uh, he's like it's. In all the wrong ways, most of the wrong ways, but his comic relief yes. in it. But also, and it's not even always, obviously it's meant to be funny because they definitely are doing it on purpose. Like he's definitely, Ariaster is definitely putting it in there to yeah. be, but some of the things are just so over the top yeah. and it's so insane. Yeah. But not like kind of in your face insane, but it's just like the absurdity of the situation. Sure. You do laugh at it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like it's just like, that's actually, fucking hell. That, oh my God. That's become Will Poulter's um, stock in trade. Like he is that asshole that's hilarious. Yeah. He was in um, The Maze Runner. Yeah. Um, I knew him way back when he did Son of Rambo. Like oh, that. Oh, yes, yeah. That's such yep. a gorgeous movie. And yeah. he was a bit that way as a kid. Yeah, right. And then you discover, if you haven't been following his career, he did sketch comedy mm-hmm. as like a 12, 13, 14 year old but mm. adult sketch comedy so dropping f-bombs yeah. as a child oh, right? right and they are some of the most outrageous yeah. outrageous comedy yeah. sketches performed by a child yeah right. and so if you so know him from the from the uk you know yeah. him for that stuff yeah. and it's yeah. like wow yeah so i'm glad he's i mean he's kind of been rising up the ranks of yeah. hollywood for a long time but he's now a list almost yeah. you know he's getting well, there literally everybody in this film is like now, just fucking yeah. like kicks it isn't the boyfriend is it the boyfriend of one of the characters was from like sing street he was the the hippie brother with the oh, guitar yes. and yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah love that guy yeah, i don't know his name it's yeah so <laughs> midsummer i definitely recommend two recommendations that couldn't be further apart from each other <laughs> that's all about the diversity of this show isn't it yeah. <laughs> And that is the end of the show. Wow. Let's hear it from Alzi. <laughs> <laughs> There's that crowd again. Woo! <laughs> who stepped back in to co-host for Ben, who is road tripping through the UK and will, fingers crossed, be back next week. Uh, before we go, uh, make sure you do the obligatories. Like, follow, subscribe to our show. Become a loyal listener if you aren't already. Engage with us. Drop us comments. Melzi's got something to else to Melbourne say. Horror Film Society on Tuesday, June 27th to a, see Body Bags. I was about to throw the last word to you. <laughs> I always realise that I never do that. Yeah. And I only say it at the start and I never bring it up again. Good point. Do you want to say it again? Uh, Body Bags, Tuesday, June 27th at Long Play in Fitzroy. And Moore. if you've never seen Body Bags, what a treat. <laughs> if, go, if anything, just for that first segment alone, it's just such good horror. It'll be so much fun. And for John Carpenter. Yeah. Like, whoa. Joss, he, yeah. he, he's amazing in that film. Yeah. Born to be the uh, Undertaker. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, going to leave you with the song once again from uh, As They Made Us. It's called You Don't Need a Daddy Anymore. It's a bit of a 
Sad one. <laughs> oh, no. Bring the mood down. That's a good song. It's a really good song. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Plastic trash bag full of stuffed animals. I'm taking it out to the garage. Out of the blue one day, she says she wants to paint her walls. So she had to take all her decorations down. She's in middle school now Sometimes she goes in her bedroom And she closes the door She never did that before Now I'm standing here singing this song But the echo in the hall is all Trying to keep the road under a wanderer A wanderer, sometimes she does You gotta let them explore You meet a lot of strangers growing up And someday she's gonna fall in love And how old do you have to be before You don't need your daddy anymore still here He just turned 90 this year 90 is a big one A big one An old man's birthday party gives everybody a chance To give him a hug and shake his hands To have a little fun dance oh wow you get some of your grieving done in advance yeah he was 50 when i was born i've always had an old dad i've always known i was gonna lose mine before the other kids and I still don't know how I'm going to react I just know I'm still proud of the fact That this book that I've got in my lap Is as heavy as it is So full of wisdom There's no bigger book than this one But I only got a couple pages left I can't tear myself away from it I've been looking at these words Since the day that I was born So tell me how the hell Am I supposed to put it on a shelf And how old do you have to be before 
don't need your daddy anymore First they take your youth Then your vision starts to fade After that, if you're lucky Watch your mom and dad pass away The secret that your daddy kept from you Is you're the only reason He had left to lose I gotta stick around long enough Till she's a big and strong adult With her own I can slip out the back door And she'll be sad for a while But eventually she'll have to smile And how old do you have to be before You don't need your daddy anymore 